Amen. So thankful to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. You guys give it up for our worship team today. So thankful for these guys. Yep. Listen, we um, have come out of a, uh, a great series that we have, uh, have, have loved. And so um, we kind of started our year uh, talking about editing and uh, talking about what, what would our lives look like, how would they be different if, and then we filled in several blanks for you. And then last week, we just kind of ended that talking about the authenticity of Scripture and our, our love for the Word and, and having it as a standard in our lives in a world where there's a lot of opinions and, and you can certainly read about those and be involved in as many of those as you like. Um, it's, it's great to know that we have a standard, that God has indeed given us a Word as, as something to navigate us. So today we're going to have, uh, this is what the next several weeks are going to look like. We're going to do a two-week uh, message called Spent. It's just going to be on, on our personal finances, on kind of getting healthy with that. And then we're going to um, have two weeks uh, in between uh, Easter. And uh, we're looking at some, some fun stuff for that. And then we're going to hit Easter week. And so believe it or not, it is uh, going to be April before we, we know it. And so um, if you want to start your Christmas shopping early... Uh, you can go ahead and get involved on that. Amazon's going to have some great deals very soon on Christmas. Um, so when we talk about about finance and we bring that into church nine out of ten times, um, we typically use that as a way to teach about giving. It's just kind of how we frame it, but we're not going to do that this time. Um, we simply, even though Jesus taught a lot about giving to the kingdom, um, we could certainly get in into that and how it takes resource to do the local church, to keep it going, to have ministry. Um, it, it, takes, it takes money. And so Jesus taught on it, but what I want to try is just to give you a lot of word that relates to just our daily interaction with money. And so I want us to be, to be thinking about that as, as a tool, as a resource, as something that is motivational toward us because... It's true of every person in here that at some point in our lives we've been intimidated by money. Uh, we've looked at it and we've either thought, I don't have enough of that, or we look at it and go, I've got some now and I don't know what to do with it. You know, nobody, nobody's taught me how to do it, how to manage it, what does the word say about it, and, and so um, we've been intimidated. We've looked at debt before and we've all had a moment of fear. Um, you know, am I going to be able to get this paid off? Um, was I dumb to sign something with such a high in interest rate? And we, we had some fear about money. And so we've looked at it, and again, we've thought, especially if you are a newlywed in this place and you're not independently wealthy, uh, you've looked at your finances and thought, I'm a little scared about this. Um, I don't know if you've ever aggressively chased money that it's become something in your life that is out there um, and you want it and you want it really bad and you want more of it. You're not really sure why you want more, you just do. And so Andy Stanley does this great topic about, and I'm, I'm not going to teach it all, but he does this great topic about making sure that we understand that there's this big tension in our lives for more that we are, are designed with it. We want more of everything that we come encounter with. We want more of the people around us. We want more money. We want more food. We want more experiences. We, we just want more. The only good part about that is that when we aim it toward God, we want more of Him. 
We want more of his word. We want more of his spirit. We want more of his power. We, we want more of his characteristics in our lives. But we will have a tension uh, with money just because it's in us to want more. It's not the only area, but it's a area in our lives that we consistently say, I just want more of it. Okay, And so all of us on some level are there. And so we just want more. And money can be a big blessing to you. It can be a blessing to the people around you. Or it can be a terrible, terrible feeling of imprisonment. And so I want to go to 1 Timothy today, and I'm going to use a couple of verses out of here to kind of start laying down some groundwork for us for the next couple of weeks. But 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 and 18, this is such a great a great word, but I want, to, I want to read this to you, and I want you to kind of soak it up. He says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. I think we could all say amen to that. And their trust, he says, should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, that they should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So I have some good news for all of us. You are rich. If you look at the way we live in comparison to the rest of the world, you are rich. Everybody in here is rich. If you drove your car to church this morning, you are rich. If you left your house, you are rich. If you have a house for your car, you are rich. If you have ever bought your dog a sweater... You are rich, okay? If you have a storage unit to store your extra stuff, somebody over here has has definitely got a storage unit. You are rich. If you water your lawn with drinkable water, you are rich. If you wear yoga pants... When you're not doing yoga, you are weird. That, I don't know how that, that, that's a typo. I'm sorry about that. If you wish you could lose weight, you're rich. Okay, you've had more than enough. I'm obviously extremely wealthy. If you get your teeth cleaned, whitened or straightened, you are rich. If you have a stylist, a massage therapist, and a lawn company in your contact list, you are rich. If you stopped anywhere this morning that had a barista, you are rich. Okay, Turn to the person beside you and say, you are rich. Okay, Tell them, you are rich. 
All right, so Timothy is definitely talking to us this morning. We have access. We have resource. And Jesus never taught, and I want to be very clear on this, he never, ever taught that wealth was evil. Okay? As a matter of fact, he talked about how we can use it and do some incredible things. And so the Bible is full of wealthy people who put God first. There's Abraham, there's Job, there's Solomon, there's many of the Davidic lineage that that had a lot of money. Okay, and so these, these men, these families put God first. Abraham and Lot were so wealthy, there wasn't enough land for them to share for their for their their flock. They said, listen, we got so many, so many cattle and so many sheep. We got so much wealth. We're gonna have to split up. Like you're gonna have to go somewhere else. We don't have enough grass for these people. Okay? And so wealth is, is, is not an evil thing, but I don't know if you've ever heard of people who win the lottery and then they lose it all. Like there, there's, a, there's, there's a show uh, a, about how lottery changed my life. And some of these people say, yeah, you know, I got $10 million. And always on, on the show they'll say, well, where, where's it at? Like, like what'd you spend it on? Like, I don't really know. You know, here I am. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I got a horse. Have y'all seen my horse? You know, it's a $10 million horse. I don't know if you will recall this, but when Mike Tyson uh, was fighting, any big Mike Tyson fans, Iron Mike, I mean, he was incredible. When Mike Tyson was fighting before he completely lost his mind and started chewing opponents, <laughs> he was worth $300 million. $300 million. He filed bankruptcy. Um, they asked him, you know, where'd all this go? And he pointed to like some tigers and some some cars and a lot of cocaine. But he was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where it, it all went. Johnny Depp recently, if you guys have been following a a, a long a a list actor, and so at his peak, he was worth six hundred and fifty million dollars. And that included he had a $30,000 a month wine habit. And he is in serious trouble financially, having had access to $650 million. I read this week in prepping for this, Sports Illustrated is now reporting that 80% of NFL players are broke two years after stopping play. And we all read that and we go, man, that's multi-million dollar contracts, amazing access to resource. What's going on? People don't know what to do with it. Well, what do I do with this, with this money? It's incredible money. When Alan Iverson got divorced, he literally went to court and he told the judge, he said, I don't have enough money to leave this court hearing and buy a hamburger. And they thought he was kidding around. So the, uh, the judge asked somebody, I want you to check into his finances, and we're going to validate this statement right now. About an hour later, a bailiff slipped, slipped him a note and sure as the world. He didn't have money to buy a hamburger. Gone. Completely broke. Right? But the Bible tells us that rich people, and we've already established every one of us in here, comparably, are rich, that we have a biblical mandate to be responsible that we have to take 
the skill set that God has given us, the mind that he's blessed us with, the ability, the ability to, to, to create money, to create wealth, and the Bible says that he's the one that gives it, that we've got to take that and understand, I, I have this because the Lord has blessed me. I've got a skill set. I've got a work ethic. I've got whatever it is that allows you to have that in your hand. And God is saying, you've got to be responsible with it. He tells us this for the first time in the Gospels in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. He says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. Now, you grew up hearing it this way. To whom much is given, much is required. That's right. To whom much is given, much is required. Okay. Now, this word required does not mean you've been given a lot, therefore you are expected to whatever. It means responsibility. It means there's a requirement to the blessing on your life to be responsible with it. That you're not one of these people who have access to wealth and resource, who ultimately stand there and go, I, I don't know where, I don't know. I don't know where it went. I got a horse. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't have enough money to buy a hamburger. You know, and so the Lord wants us to have responsibility. And here is our anchoring verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9 through 10. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. This is Andy again talking about more. There it is. To be rich falling into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Okay, I want to pause right there. How many of you would like to have all the money back that you've ever wasted? Okay, I know I would. Okay, I'd like to have it all back. That thing that I bought that I didn't need, I want it back. That thing that I bought and three months later, Robbie sold it in a garage sale for like $5, I want it back. Okay, because it's worth more than $5. Right? Okay, verse 10. For the love of money, and here's where a lot of people get, get confused. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of, not money, the love of. I love it, got to have it, I want it. It's my goal, it's my life's ambition to have it. Okay? That's where it gets evil. Not money, not being responsible, not wealth, not having things, not having resource, not having stuff is not evil. Loving it is evil. And some people, he says, craving money, have wandered far from true faith and pierced themselves with sorrow. Money is addictive, and the reason is because our imagination is limitless. Our minds can always come up with a way to do something with it. Okay, now, to, to make a case in point of this, sometimes I, I will read. Normally, I start my, my, my day by taking 30, 40 minutes and kind of reading a, a plethora of, of things. It, it might be the news. It might be some quirky stuff. It might be things going on with the president. I'm a, I'll just read an assortment of things. And oftentimes, I'll come across and I'll dedicate 10 minutes to reading worthless stuff. And so in one of those worthless readings, um, you'll read about people who have access to so much stuff and they don't know what to do with it, so they're getting as creative as they possibly can to try to find something to do with this money. 
Okay, so for example, I read uh, a few weeks ago that there was a guy, and for his dog, he had had a $100,000 diamond collar made for this dog. Okay, now y'all know how I feel. I want it back. (laughs) I take it all back. And so I was like, you got to be kidding, $100,000. You know what what I would do with $100,000? Isn't this the question we always ask ourselves? What would I do if I... If I had that amount, well, then what would I do if I had that amount? Well, what would I do if I had that amount? It's, it's the more and more and more because our imagination keeps on going. I was just talking to Robbie the other night about money, and I told her I'm at this place in life where I just, I'm, I'm not craving stuff. I'm craving experiences. Like, I, I want to travel some. I want to see historical landmarks. I want to take my kid with us. I want to I wanna just experience, I want to have experiences. And so that's my vice when it comes to those. All of us have a desire that requires resource. And so because of the endorphins that spending creates, we have a crisis in America. I'm about to give you a shocking number here because a lot of folks are obviously off course. All right? In 2017, at the very end of 2017, Americans owed $905 billion in credit card debt. I want that to soak in for a minute. $905 billion on credit, right? That, that made the average home in America having $16,000 in credit card debt, the highest it's ever been. Now keep in mind, this is only two generations that have done this. So two full generations have spent $905 billion on stuff. That was an 8% increase from 2016. 35% of Americans have debt in collection. 35%. This made me kind of happy, but Louisiana was the highest state at 48%. It's like, thank God it wasn't us. And when it comes to education, we're always like, thank God for Mississippi. If it were Alabama, it'd be even better, you know. Career Builder says that 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So at the end of a paycheck, they have zero. Zero to invest, zero to save, zero to give. Okay? Paycheck to paycheck. 61% of Americans. $905 $905 billion in credit. Several years ago, we went, to, uh, we went to Silver Dollar City with the Novaks, and it was cold. So cold. I was a terrible parent. Riley was really, really, really young, and after that, she got terribly sick. It was ridiculous. It was so, so cold, and it was so cold that they were shutting down all of the, the rides. And so I was disappointed because we hadn't been there very long. It was so cold, and you know, we're just walking around. We're going in stores not to shop or getting anything, just to fill our fingers again. And so we decided there was this one ride still open. And so I looked at Olivia and I said, hey, do you want to do this? She was like, sure, let's do it. And so we got on, on this ride, and I don't know if you've ever heard, heard the word before, snot sickle. <laughs> Nowhere else in America did a pastor say snot sickle this morning. You guys are blessed and highly favored. It was like the scene from Dumb and Dumber when uh, Harry and Lloyd, <laughs> you know, they're on the scooter and they finally arrive. You know, 
<laughs> it was like that. I'm not going to say which one of us had the snot sickle, but she broke it off shortly after. <laughs> and um, it was just so unbearably cold. And my point in telling that dumb story is this. We were ready to get off. I mean, it was like by the second turn, we were like, this thing's got to end. I mean, it was only like 60 seconds long, but it was so cold. But with the wind, it quickly dropped into the negatives with the wind factor. We were so cold. We wanted off. And finance, our personal finances, can often feel much the same way. We're in a mess. We get into debt. We owe family members. We owe friends. You don't feel free. You don't feel good. And you want off. And then if, if you come to church and we take up an offering, you feel guilty because you want to give. You want to give and feel included and feel like you made an investment, and you can't because you feel stuck. So my goal is not to kick anyone while they're down, but just to talk about, about money and what it looks like. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. I'm going to read this from the NIV. No one, he says, can serve two masters. Hate one, love the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. And he says you can't serve both God and money. There's a reason they call it a MasterCard, okay? It can't be, you see what I did there? That's really, okay? You can't serve both. And this is where the evil gets involved is, is because we want to love God and we want to love money. And so what, what, what the Lord is saying is this, if you have it, fantastic, if you've using, used your skill set and your intellect and whatever God's blessed you with to make money, praise God. Let it be part of your testimony, your story. That's incredible. Just don't love it. Just don't idolize it. Just don't set it up as something in, in your heart to be worshipped. Just let it be a, a, a tool. So I only bring that scripture to the conversation this morning because it brings a strong point, and that is this. Money can affect you spiritually. Money will battle for your attention. It will battle for your mind. It will battle for your strength. And if you let it, it can quickly replace God as the Lord of your life as quickly as anything else can. All right, so my first thing I want to talk about, that was all my introduction. First thing, I, want, I got seven minutes to finish. The first thing is this, stay away from debt when possible. Stay away from it when possible. It's difficult to imagine being able to buy a home in cash, especially if you're young, but living debt-free can be done with everything else. As Dave Ramsey would say, you can always pay your house off early. The thing that bothers Robbie and I the most right now in our stage of life is, is a student loan if someone had told me I'd be in my 40s and paying a student loan, I would have robbed a bank before I gave my heart to God. I would have just, you know, before I got it really right, I would have, you know. I feel the wheels coming off this message. It's like a little, it's like a little shaky. <laughs> Proverbs 22 and verse 7 says, The rich will rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Okay, so it's a great verse on debt. Be careful with it. Be very, very. My first uh, credit card was right when I went to college. I, I don't know if, if they still do this, but basically the, the uh, pattern was when you got accepted to a college, all these companies knew it. 
And so they would send you credit cards, and it wasn't even like an application. It was just like, like the card would be in the envelope. You just call the 1-800 number to activate it, and you were ready. And so I got this one. I sat down. There were like 20 of them, and I laid them all out, and I was like, let's see. What's the lowest interest rate? Which card looks cool? Gives me, you know, which card has some status? That's the one. And so I did it, and I cut up all the others, and I called it, and I activated. And my first purchase was not supplies for college. My mom, you know, and dad were trying to get together, buy everything for the dorm and all my supplies, the tuition, everything that's involved in going to college. And so you'd think I'd get on board and try to help with that. But no, my first thing was not buying school supplies or buying pens or nothing. I didn't buy anything. I bought a pair of Colhan shoes, okay? I know some of y'all are like, surprise, <laughs> okay? But uh, it, it's so weird because it was like, you know, I go to college and I got a $10 pair of shoes and a $15 pair of shoes and a $100 pair of shoes, okay? And so it was just a, a dumb purchase. I still to this day, I want it back. And so Luke chapter 14, verse 28 says this. This, this is really good. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? If you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who, says, who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. The point of that story right there in, in, in that particular text is this, that money needs to have a plan behind it. This is why when you give here, a lot of times we will often pray for accountability. We'll pray for wisdom. Help us to use this at just the right time to just the right thing to make it go further, to make some project feel bigger, that, that we're using things wisely. Why? Because the Bible teaches us to look at it, our plans, our projects, our ministries, and do it well. For those of you who are business owners, you would never build something, do something, create something, hire somebody without looking at the plan and saying, is it even affordable? Is it even possible? So we don't need to do the same thing as a church, but to be wise in it, to be wise in everything that we're doing. The second thing is to be a hard worker. Abraham Lincoln says, whatever you are, be a good one. And so there's all kinds of backgrounds in here, vocational backgrounds. There's all kinds of educational backgrounds. There's there's a lot of different passions that are polar opposites of each other. But I love this quote because he says, listen, whatever you're going to do, just be good at it. Whatever you set your hand to do, let it be blessed. Go after it with everything you are. Coach Morris recently said, wherever you are, be there. Meaning this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up and I'm going to give my best. My mind is going to be there. My energy is going to be there. My passion is going to be there. My skill set is going to be there. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to be a hard worker. And this is, is definitely something that, that can be fleeting in our culture, a work ethic. Okay, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4, the NIV says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands will bring wealth. We all know people, and I'm not trying to be hard, but we all know people who are disappointed with their finances, but they don't want to work. When I was a, when I was a kid, I go to my dad, and I'm like, hey, I, I want a Swatch watch. You guys remember those? Okay, for the rest of you, you missed it. It was amazing. Okay. 
And I go to my dad. I've shared this with you before, but I, I go to my dad. And I'm like, hey, I want a Swatch watch. And he's like, well, how much are they? I think at that time they're like 75 bucks. And then you had to get, you know, the little rubber guard to go over it because that was extra cool. So I had to get a couple of those. Those were $10 a piece. So I'm pushing 100 bucks. He's like, okay, listen, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm, I was totally expecting I'm going to go in here to my office. I'm going write, to write you a check and go to the bank, cash it, get you a Swatch watch just because I love you. It didn't happen like that. So he said, listen, I'm going to find you some yards to mow. I was like, no, wait a minute. That's not how I wanted this to go down. Um, and he said, I'm going to find you some yards to mow. And then, you know, you're talking in the 80s, mowing a yard was like 10 bucks. So I'm calculating. I'm like, carry the two. That's going to be 10, yard, uh, 10 yards to mow. And he was like, yeah, uh, about that, but I'm, I'm going to get them. Okay, so I'm going to start you off. I'll get with some friends at work. We'll have two or three yards, and then I'll kind of go from there. I was like, oh, okay. And he said, listen, you, you can use my mower, my gas. I'll take it. I'll, I'll drop the mower off in the yard, drop you off in the yard, come back two, three hours later, 10 bucks. It's like, oh, okay. So I, I go to mowing, and I mow, 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 and I get it, 100 bucks. And I go to the store. My dad goes with me. It's a real proud working moment. And I go up to the thing, and I totally forgot there's this thing called tax. And so, you know, it's like three or four bucks. And I'm like, okay, here's the thing. And I turn to my dad. I'm like, hey, I need three or four dollars. He's like, well, that's, that's a half a yard. I'm like, what? are you kidding me right now? He's like, no, let's, let's go. You can't afford it. It's a life lesson. You, you got you to gotta go work for it. You got to tax. You know, I'm not going to give you three or four dollars. You can go and mow another yard pay for all this and still have enough for a cheeseburger, okay? So we left, and I, when I finally got that Swatch watch, y'all, I polished it. I didn't even want to wear it. I just took it on, on my wrist and would look at it and take it back off and put it in the case, okay? Because, I mean, there was a lot of sweat that went into that Swatch watch, okay? My father was trying to teach me hard work. And in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, he says, go to the ant, you sluggard, which means you lazy person. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, basically saying there's no boss standing around watching it, yet it stores its provision in the summer, gathers its food at the harvest. What he's saying is this, get a work ethic. Find something you love and do it and do it well and make that, that, that happen for you, okay? I'm out of time, but I want to give this to you. So number three is be wise and prioritize, okay? Be wise and prioritize. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, be on your guard against all kind of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possession. So prioritize. What is it that we actually need in our lives, all right? And then the fourth one, is see your finances from 40,000 feet. See your finances from 40,000 feet, meaning this. We have to learn to invest something. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11 says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Okay, depending on what version you go with, there's a little wiggle room there that basically says investing it little by little, putting it back a little by little over a long span of time can create wealth. My grandparents were very frugal people. They survived the depression, much like yours if you're my age. My grandfather lied about his age so he could get into the military. 
he told me, he said, I never felt so rich than when I joined the military. I said, how is that so? He said, because it's the first time in my life I ever had a brand new pair of shoes and three meals every day. It blew my, my mind. I was like, you got to be kidding. When I was growing up, I'd get a birthday card from them, and there'd be a dollar in it. Okay? Now, I was great with that until I was about 12. And I was like, can we raise it to five? It was always a dollar. When I turned 21, dollar. <laughs> Anybody else with it? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, graduate college, dollar. I'm like, I can't even buy a Swatch watch with this. You know? But when they passed away, my dad was going through, and y'all, in every single jacket they had was $20 bills pinned in the pockets. Books had money. My dad was like, God, do not throw away anything until we've gone through it all. Very, very frugal people. It was their way of saying, I got to put something back. Okay? Oh, gosh, I got so much I want to say. Okay, Proverbs 21.20. Let me give you this, and I'm going to quit in just a second. Proverbs 21.20, the wise have wealth and luxury. Fools spend whatever they get. Whatever I get in my hand, I'm, I'm going I'm to go through it. I'm going to go through it. My dad used to say it's burn a hole in your pocket. That, that, this is what he meant. If a fool will spend whatever that they get. Notice Solomon says the wise have wealth. Not the rich, but the wise. People who take it do something great, great with it. Okay? Acts 20.35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Some people say, if I were rich, I would do X, Y, Z. This is what I would do with it. But I'm going to end with this. David, if you guys would go ahead and come. It's basically saying this. What can I do with what I have right now? It's not a pipe dream. It's saying, what can I do with what I have right now? Now, okay. Last year, this church, our campus, gave sixty thousand dollars to church planning. I would love for that to have been half a million dollars, but we got to take sixty grand and go. What's the best way that we can plant life-giving churches in America and around the world on sixty thousand dollars? Because excellence is doing the best I can with what I have right now. And so it's saying, when I do give, when I do bless other people, what's the best I can do with what I have right now? It's not going, man, if I'd win the lottery one day, or man, if somebody just give me an inheritance, or man, if I just find something, or man, if I'd get a raise, or man, it, it's, it's what can I do right now with what I have, and Lord, give us wisdom on that. That is our prayer, okay? Because this is very important, and I know this feels maybe odd in a church setting, but hear me. We will never, ever, ever be as healthy of Christians as we can be until this area of our lives comes under the lordship of Jesus. Ever. We, we, we just can't. And, it, and it's not a giving issue. It's, it's a personal health issue. It's you being able to come in and worship freely. It's you being able to come in without being under duress. It's you knowing that you've done the best you can with what you have. And I believe with all of my heart that the Lord wants to set us free in this. Okay? I want you to bow your heads with me really quick. I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to 
end with worship. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but I want you to answer this question with a shout in your heart. You just say, Kevin, I'm here today, and I, I do not have wisdom when it comes to money. I'm driven by it. I feel like I gotta have things to be a certain person. My identity is all wrapped up in it. And maybe you're here today and you've created a royal mess for your life. Just like our first week of edit, this is great because there there can be a do-over for you spiritually. Are you still accountable for all of those monies? Yes. But there can be a do-over in the way you perceive it. And we can pray right now for the Lord to give you wisdom on how to get out of it, stay out of it, and be a kingdom builder all at the same time. And that's going to be my, my prayer for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus.